his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Incidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart, Brian. It's 9.30 in 716. I'm Susan Rose. I'm Brian Mazurowski. Outside right now, we're looking at cloudy skies. Rain is on the way, though. Don't you worry. 42 degrees in Buffalo. Following a series of violent incidences inside and outside of Buffalo schools in the beginning of the school year, the Buffalo School Board last evening approved a proposal to spend $3 million to purchase new security equipment for schools across the district. What we're voting on tonight, and that is a contract to an install the concealed weapons, uh, walk-through weapon detectors, I believe in all of our school buildings. That's board member Larry Scott at last night's meeting. The spending follows a stabbing at the Buffalo School of Culinary Arts in September and a massive fight at McKinley High School at dismissal that resulted in a 16-year-old student being arrested. Superintendent Tanja Williams spoke about the new measures, which include handheld and concealed weapon detectors to Channel 7. We want our parents to feel comfortable sending their children into school, and we want our students to come into schools and know that they are safe. As early as November, we'll start implementing. That's, that's where we are right now. The idea of spending big money to beef security? Nothing new. WBEN's Tom Puckett takes us to Niagara Falls. Back in September, Niagara Falls School Security Director Brian Del Porto said security staff was increased. We've in- increased the amount of security uh, safety officers within the school district, as well as enhanced their training um, that they receive to be security officers within the school. He says there have been some false positives in weapons detection systems, but those systems have helped kids get into the school more quickly. Superintendent Mark Laurie says more enhancements will be coming. Beginning next week, our Evolve weapons detection system will be installed in all of the elementary schools. We, uh, at our last board meeting, are uh, passed and are embarking on a new capital project that will create secured vestibules in every single one of our schools, meaning that there is a double buzzer system for anyone to access entry. Laurie says he's learned a big lesson from Uvalde. Hear more about that online. Tom Puckett, WBEN.com News. Thank you, Tom. Also at last night's school board meeting, the Buffalo School Board meeting, they voted to file a complaint to the New York State Division of Human Rights against Section 6 and the New York State Public High School Athletic Association, alleging the organizations have discriminated against the district's student-athletes. The complaint stems from the Bennett football team being forced to forfeit six previous games due to an ineligible player. Bennett had rostered a student who played for Sweet Home last year but did not file a transfer notification before playing for Bennett this year. The district calling it a clerical error 
and said the students should not be punished. Well, despite having a deal in principle for months, hand-wringing over a community benefits agreement, stalling the final stamp of approval for a new Bills stadium. WBEN's Brayton Wilson here with more. Since an agreement was reached for a new stadium for the Buffalo Bills back in March, local leaders and members of the franchise have been in negotiations over a number of items as part of finalizing the Memorandum of Understanding to move forward with construction of a new stadium. Perhaps the item of most interest in negotiations has been the finalization of the Community Benefits Agreement, which ensures the community is guaranteed a number of benefits for helping contribute a total of $850 million in publicly funded money for the stadium. However, negotiations have primarily been a closed-door process, especially after a non-disclosure agreement was signed by members of the negotiating team. That's where the local 716 Playfair Coalition is calling on Pagula Sports and Entertainment and other public officials at the decision-making table to reinvest in Buffalo and Erie County through meaningful community benefits. We want a more transparent and equitable process. We've been talking about community benefits since we've been hearing about this process, which has been happening behind closed doors unfortunately. And with the non-disclosure agreements in place for all of the players at the table and no community at the table, that leaves us shut out. And it's our public dollars that should be working in our public interest. That's Tanvier Peart, Director of Policy Advancement at the Partnership for the Public Good. The coalition is officially calling on PSE to reinvest $500 million of public dollars over the new 30-year stadium lease into a number of different initiatives for the community. With the gathering on Wednesday of both public officials and other advocates with the coalition. Peart says it was a sign of unification on behalf of the Erie County community. This is our opportunity to undo some of the harm, like generational harms through policy and disinvestment by uniting us all together through transportation equity. And that will also strengthen our workforce, not just in Orchard Park with the Bill Stadium, but around those surrounding areas. And so this is a win for all of us if it's done the right way. More on the 716 Playfair Co- Coalition's efforts with the CBA is available for you online. Brayton Wilson, WBEN.com News. Brayton, thank you. Uh, Last week we learned the PSC approved an additional area code for Western New York. Now we know the digits. It's 624. The new area code will be assigned to newly issued numbers in the region once the unassigned 716 numbers are exhausted. The new area code will debut as soon as the spring of 2024. The current 716 area code will not be affected. It's projected that the 624 area code will provide 29 years worth of new phone numbers for the region. We're asking on our Raylax Honda web poll at WBEN.com this morning, how important is the 716 area code to you? Critically, just don't change my number, or you could care less. So far this morning, checking those results, 30% say it's critically important. 61% say, just don't change my number. 8% could care less. You can check in with us, right side of the page, at WBEN.com. I want to know how they get to 29 years worth of numbers. How would you know that? (laughs) That's like an amazing thing to try and be able to calculate with, you know, the 716 numbers, which will still be dished out around here as they go out of service. You know, somebody changes their phone number or moves or gets rid of a phone. Boom, that number all of a sudden becomes available to be sent out there again. So now you have two combined area codes. I, I don't know. I feel, like, I feel like it should be longer than that. Yeah, maybe. Although now everyone leaves, they keep their phone number. You have 716s all over the country. 
It's like a marker. Like, this is it where is. I'm from. I'm from Buffalo. That's I'm not true. giving it away. You know, people who right. uh, go to other areas of the country, they're not switching their phone number. You got all your contacts there. Okay. You got to tell everyone your new number. But what happens when people die? Right? Depends then- on if they keep their number. <laughs> <laughs> they, they can't take are you it still with paying them. the bill you still got the number that's you're you're good to go uh you know if you don't boom goes to somebody else there you go um and hey maybe you're the lucky one maybe it'll turn into something where you want uh you're getting a new number say six years from now you want to make sure it's a 716 number eh, maybe that costs you an extra dollar oh, a bill or something like that probably will to uh, make sure you're part of it. Your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast calls for mostly cloudy skies, breezy and cool temperatures in the low 40s with lake effect rain and snow, especially north of Buffalo as we get toward late this morning and this afternoon. For tonight, a few showers early, otherwise partly cloudy, cool, overnight lows in the mid-30s. Sunshine on Friday, close to 60 degrees, upper 60s with sunshine on Saturday. With your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm Chief Meteorologist Aaron Minkowski. Buffalo School Board President Lou Petrucci is joining us this morning on WBEN. Uh, Lou, good morning. The board last night approved $3 million worth of expenditures for security equipment for the district. How far does this go to bring the district to the level it should be, given the string of recent violent incidents that have occurred in Buffalo? Sure. It goes a long way, Susan. It's the actual kind of the physical investment, uh, because this is for like walk-through metal detectors and upgrading of our um, walkie-talkie systems and putting like the, the behind-the-scenes systems in place, uh, but also or bolsters the other efforts that Dr. Williams and her staff have made to improve security with increased staffing, with changing of our dismissal times, coordinating efforts between the various uh, police agencies in Buffalo uh, so that we can do everything to ensure that our kids are as safe as possible. These security upgrades, how long might they take to actually be implemented in schools? So we were told that they could be, the process could begin as early as next week with the installations. They're going to be in all of our buildings, so it's not going to be a a one or two day event. It's going to take a little bit of time to get them installed across the district, but we want to make sure that this level of security and safety is at all of our buildings. Will this be in every school, including the elementary schools? I believe so, yes. The um, it's going in now. Why now? Why was this not a decision made during the summer months before school started? Sure. Well, it, the process began way back when, and the we put out RFP. We had to have the review committee, um, and then part of it also was trying to uh, identify as part of the review process. Uh, not only the quality of the systems, but what do we look in terms of implementation? Because we realize that parents want these things installed as soon as can be. What about cameras and alarms on exterior doors? That's part of the plan also. So part of the plan is also to put um, cameras, have those cameras connected to a monitor, like a central monitoring system, but also monitors on the doors if someone, um, if someone, uh, you know, illegally leaves an exit and controlling the, you know, the access points, you know, all kind of good common sense. Now, many of these things were in place already. I don't want to give the impression that we didn't have cameras or that we didn't have uh, or that we didn't have alarms on our doors. I think this last effort is one to kind of 
fill in the gaps where we realize that we really need to have every door, where we really need to have a more robust uh, coordination with respect to the monitoring, because it's not just the cameras, it's the person monitoring to make sure that someone's uh, keeping an eye uh, at people coming and going in and out of our buildings. Are the cameras uh, part of the expenditure that was approved last night? Uh, no, the, these cameras, not not overall. Uh, the big expenditures were, were basically for uh, the walkie-talkies and uh, the walk-through metal detectors. The the cameras have been part of an ongoing process, and also there are things like um, identifying when you know, putting a uniform uh, code in place to identify like doors and exits, so you're not trying to have a forbid something happens. So you're not trying to figure out what door is. That everyone will know what the door is by having a uniform numbering system across the district. Right. Um, the two incidences that, you know, gathered a lot of attention, this uh, stabbing at the School of Culinary Arts, a uh, fight outside of McKinley High School, I, these measures that are put in place now, you, we're talking metal detectors, concealed weapon detectors, would they have necessarily stopped, you know, these two incidences that have uh, really uh, gathered the attention of parents all throughout the area? So each one of those is a little unique and different. Um, so the, the with respect to one of the Culinary Institute, uh, they were doing uh, sweeps with the hand detectors, but part of the problem was that uh, because of the nature of the construction of the building, if they went too close to the floor, they got a false negative because of the rebar that was in the concrete. So they could only go so low. So, so it had some limitations, and we're hoping that some of these new detectors will will uh, you know, limit those uh, limitations that uh, the hand um, the hand swiping uh, with the hand devices did. The, the second part, you know, with McKinley, McKinley would also, uh, because there were, you know, sad to say that um, McKinley had, um, there's been, to my knowledge, you know, three events that I can think of that occurred at McKinley. So this would help some of them, but the ones that occurred off campus, because the last one really, uh, even though it was uh, attributed to McKinley, it's my belief that it wasn't just McKinley students there, and it was at an off-site location that was adjacent, but still about three, four blocks away. So that would be a little bit more difficult because that's going to be more about personnel and you know working, you know, making sure that the district uh, has good relations with their students, so they have knowledge to try and prevent these things from happening beforehand. This is uh, you touched on it right there. This is um, something aimed at preventing uh, you know violence when it happens. But what about what else is being done within the school district, especially at McKinley that we've mentioned uh, numerous times here over the past couple of years to stop these incidents from happening in the first place? Stop the idea of a fight from happening before it is, Um, you know, we're talking about security measures. But is there something that takes place before it gets to needing a new security measure to stop a massive fight or something like that? Yeah, and there is, and that's the you know security is basically it's the response to the illness. You know, it's it's when it's the aspirin when you have the fever. It's not really addressing the underlying causes, and that's what at McKinley and our other schools have as well, as they try to uh, de-escalate these situations when they're made aware of them. So a lot of this is making sure that if it's whomever the, the student needs to bring to their attention, the principal, the vice principal, a teacher 
it could be a custodian, you know, it could be whoever that the, the student feels that they have a rapport, a relationship they can talk to, and that person bringing it uh, to the administration's attention so that we can put the put the pieces in place. And you know, we have a variety of different groups, we have a variety of different programs that all work towards that goal of you know, de-escalation and making sure that these things don't occur. But unfortunately, you know, they do occur on occasion, and when they do, we want to make sure that. We are well prepared, that we have a plan in place, and that we can you know, bring control to the situation as quickly as possible. Lou Petrucci, Buffalo School Board President, is with us on WBEN Buffalo this morning. Lou, I want to also ask you about the board's decision to file a complaint against Section 6 and the New York State Public High School Athletic Association. This is over discrimination of student-athletes regarding the Bennett football team, right? Well, it, well it's more than just the Bennett football team. So... Um, you know, for years now, we have not had a position on any of the uh, executive type of leadership role uh, at that level, I should say, at Section 6. And, you know, we are the not only the second largest district in, in New York State, we're the largest in Section 6. We are the, uh, we represent, you know, uh, the most students as a single portion uh, would be the Buffalo Public Schools. And we're also the largest, you know, contributor to their operational budget. But still, you know, I'm going with the uh, taxation without representation, you know, like our founding fathers. We have asked forever because when Section 6 makes these and ever meaning decades after decades where we are saying, hey, you make these these decisions and we do not have a voice at the table. All we're asking for is a voice at the table and we have been repeatedly rebuffed. And I believe that if we would have had a seat at the table and some conversations when these decisions were made, some of these uh, situations could have been avoided. But specifically for Bennett, um, you know, three years in a row, uh, the Bennett football team have worked really hard. They, they fielded a great squad and three times or three years in a row, uh, we feel that our students have been marginalized. We feel that their efforts and hard work have been discounted. And it's it's for some bureaucratic reason. They're not letting the kids play on the field, which is frustrating because that's both our goal and that's, that's Section 6 in New York State Public High School is to have the kids go out and play and participate. But it becomes about... Um, you know, insufficient paperwork and interpretations of rules as to uh, as to who's eligible to play so that our kids are repeatedly discounted and not being allowed to play. And when it happens three years in a row, you wonder what's the underlying cause. I, you know, part of that, um, there, there might be a point in both directions, right? Um, you know, this time it was because of an ineligible student. Uh, there were some COVID rules. Uh, sure. That was either last year or the year before. Is part of that, you know, you mentioned kind of administrative uh, problems. Does there just need to be better accounting for some of these rules um, by Bennett or, or whoever might be in charge on Buffalo's end to make sure that stuff like this doesn't happen? Yeah, absolutely. And I'd be the first to tell you that. But, but you know, but the rules need to be revisited also, in my opinion, because who do they punish? Did they punish the district? Did they punish the, the coach? Well, you got a one-game suspension, but primarily they punish the students, and that's counterintuitive. The other thing, too, is that when you start looking at them and I read the rule book, you know, there's, there's no um, things 
there are no uh, clauses or preclusions about people that may have a conflict. And oftentimes, because it is a small group, these decisions are made are being made by individuals that are going to either that are going to be impacted by their decisions, which is never good. There's also a, like most of these types of rules and clauses have some type of you know limitations or sunset clause. Like you can only file these complaints within a week or two of the season, or, or upon your knowledge, etc. Because the way they're written right now, and this is what happens, that you can file a complaint when the season's almost over, and then all the efforts, all the games, and everything else of the of the kids through all their hard work are eliminated because somebody uh, misfiled or didn't file in a proper time. And, and I get that. And there should be, again, we should all play by the same rules. But but sometimes the rules don't exactly uh, benefit students. And that's what we're trying to do here. Hey, Lou, thank you for the time this morning. Uh, you're welcome. Always good to speak to you. That's Lou Petrucci, president of the Buffalo School Board. That's 930 in 716. We're back tomorrow with another edition from the studios of WBEN Buffalo. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams. Thanks for everything, mom and dad. Will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.